Welcome back to One Winning Pie, where the Ravens were unable to close the door and unfortunately lost a game in overtime, 22-19, to the Indianapolis Colts, a team that definitely came to fight and gave the Ravens a little bit of trouble. But at the end of the day, it definitely felt a self-inflicted wound. Uh, They were really celebrating when they won that game. I feel like they know that they kind of stole one in a way. Uh, They were the underdogs but uh, we're able to persevere because that's what happens in football. A lot of high leverage plays, you have them go your way, and you can win a football game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's debatable. I honestly think that the Ravens, they came out in this game, um, both sides of the ball, the first quarter, uh, just had their way. I mean, they were able to move the ball, aside, and then once Kenyon Drake had that fumble, just kind of lost control of the steering wheel and never really got it back. Um, credit to the Colts. I don't know if they played a good football game. Um, I don't think the Ravens did. Uh, but someone had to win that game. And the Colts, they fought their asses off in that game. I was really impressed with that team. And I think they deserve that win. I do not think the Ravens deserve to win that game. I don't think the Colts stole it. I think that simply the Colts were the better of two bad teams on Sunday. And there's a lot of questions that the Ravens have to answer. Um, in meetings this week, I think, in practice to look at what went wrong and how that can, you know, be fixed for the future. But I mean, going forward, I think, and it's hard to know at this point, but I think we'll look back on this game as kind of a blip. I think this team has a lot of potential and this is just a frustrating loss. There's a little bit of a reality check that, hey, look, we've got a talented roster, but there's a lot of injuries and that means that there's less of a room for mistakes, um, in that case. So, um, you know, a little bit of a wake up call early in the year, got a tough game against Cleveland, but coming up, but hats off to the Colts. I think they, they had a really strong effort in this game and the Ravens just unfortunately, uh, too sloppy of an outing for them to get a win there. Yeah. I think, you know, you want to come out and say, just, I think for most of us, I think the initial reaction is, uh, frustrating loss um especially i think with just all the opportunities at the end where you know the ravens get a safety and you think all you have to do is get a first down and you know you win the game they end up not getting the first down you know tucker has an opportunity to kick a 61 yard field goal which you know is a big field goal but everyone has confidence in tucker to be able to do it he falls just a little bit short and then you get the ball in overtime several (laughs) at least twice and, uh, you know, couldn't make anything come of it. And then, uh, of course, the pass interference or the lack of pass interference call on Flowers at the end is one of those games where just there's a lot of frustrating plays uh, that weren't made um, or, you know, in, in, in the case of the Colts made them and the Ravens didn't. And I get being frustrated definitely in the moment. I mean, you know, I was not like happy either <laughs> coming out of the game, but I kind of agree with you, Peter. I think the, the, the blip in the season, like, I feel like I, I kind of said in the group chat. I feel like I feel like injuries right now are just that's the main killer. Um, to to me, I feel like the three position groups that right now have been hit the hardest were really the difference in this game. Um, outside linebacker, I feel like coming into it wasn't so bad, but even with OA being out, you're a little concerned about that group. Then Ojabo had to exit early. At that point, I mean, you're really running significant snaps with Moon and Tavius Robinson. And, you know, those guys just, you know, they're, I think they played okay, but 
they're still young players. I think there were, you know, lots of issues, I think, with setting the edge. And um, frankly, I think in the run game, I think, you know, the Ravens letting up over 100 yards to Zach Moss is absolutely crazy. Um, you know, I'm sure lots of people around the league never thought that Zach Moss would, would have a game like that. But um, outside linebacker, big issue. Um, you know, offensive line, I think, you know, Last week, we were really happy with the performance. This week, not so much. And I really think we overlooked the Colts' uh, defense and defensive line a little bit. Um, and then finally, running back, too. Like, you know, at the end of the game, it's like you just need to get a first down. And the most reliable guy you have on the roster to be able to do that, Gus Edwards, out, concussion protocol. So, yeah. <laughs> like, to me, you know, it's 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 not there to kind of point fingers. But to, to me, I feel like it's just kind of highlighting the point of, you know, injuries right now. They've really got to find a way to get guys back and healthy um, and really for the guys who, you know, are having to play in their absence, like continue to step up, continue to execute really well, uh, get better week to week. Um, you know, fortunately I feel like the game, this game, the matchup wasn't, you know, not, uh, I like what you said, like it was like a tier two matchup, right? It's not a division game. Yeah. It's a conference game, which kind of sucks. You know, you'd wish it were an <laughs> NFC game, but um, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world that they drop one, especially early. I guess this is our first opportunity to talk about lost tokens. Obviously, uh, <laughs> you're never well. Also, also your new uh, tiers terminology. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. It's you're not, very excited to debut this. It's not. It's not unique. I actually heard it on the uh, Locked On Ravens uh, show, okay. and I was like, oh, "That's a good way to look at it." Because I mean, I feel like I had that in my head. You know, like gut feel. It's like okay, you know, by by actual absolute playoff ranking, it's conference games then. Uh, or divisional games, conference games, and then NFC games. So I, I liked hearing it like, a, you know, adjudicated out as like tiers. Um, I was like, okay, tier two game. Definitely going into two out of three tier one games and then one tier two game uh, all away. This is the one to to lose. And I think you put it really well, Chris. I really like uh, kind of your opening statement there with the three groups that were most hit by injury were the three groups that struggled the most and like really could have helped close the door. Because that's that's the thing that's so killer. I think that made me disappoint fans the most is like, you know, we got the safety and we're like, ooh, <laughs> we won the game. All we have to do is run out two minutes. We did that last week. Surely we can do it again. And then there was all the kerfuffle with the, the clocking reset because his foot went out of bounds and then the fair catch and then the penalty stopped the clock and they didn't call the face mask for offsetting. And you're just like, oh my gosh, like this is we ran off like 12 seconds instead of two minutes and you're like, well, that's not good. Um, so that was one, one door not closed. But then, um, I remember also like earlier stout had that punt like down to the one yard line, like foot field fields. And we were like, Ooh, so good. <laughs> Armor Davis with like the key special teams play. Like surely we've got this now. And it just, it was so many times where you're like, it's going to be an ugly win, but it'll be a win feeling good. Tucker misses a field goal. It's not unrealistic to say 61 yards in wet field is uh, <laughs> a little little tricky. So uh, all that to say, like, I think it's a good wake-up call. It's a good wake-up call. They're going to have to lose the game eventually. And, you know, rather do it now. And I love the fact that Harbaugh today during the presser, recording this on Monday, was, like, really enthusiastic about a lot of the things he saw on film. He thinks a lot of players played well. And he's, like, just so eager to, you know, keep working on getting better. And not so hung up on the results. Obviously the results stink. You don't want them, but at this stage of the season and also at in general, like, you know, you lose, you lose games, teams lose, you know, games. Um, 
it's just a, a good opportunity to kind of reset and, and move forward towards this next really difficult stretch. Like Alex said, you're going to lose games this early in the season, and those losses hopefully don't come back to bite you. Um, you know, again, like Alec is saying, tier two matchup. When it's all said and done, could this have ramifications for the wild card? Sure, absolutely. But there's so much more football to play. I think what's most important from this game is is having a quick turnaround. And it sounds like Harbaugh's in the right mindset, rallying the troops. Like, you know, don't get too down. Like, realize what went wrong because uh, those things need to get fixed, right? But um, just get ready to fight because you got a tough divisional matchup on the road coming up right away. No time to feel sorry for yourself. Just got to go back into the lab, figure out what gets fixed, and and just move on. And, you know, it, we'll see how they bounce back because that's really how you really know if a team's good or not, right? How you respond to a loss. And we'll talk about that in the next episode. But I no doubt in my mind, this team is still going to win plenty of football games this year. Uh, that said... We're going to need to find some ways around the injuries, which I guess is how we'll start looking into this. Because um, quickly going d- down, I mean, <laughs> once again, we are looking at a game coming up here where it could be just like 2021, right? Where we won't have uh, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, or Justice Hill. Still to be determined for Hill and and Gus. I think we're going to have to wait for more um, through the week, but... Yeah, I I think this offense is really missing J.K. Dobbins. Gus, we love Gus. I, I think he's got a great role on this team. But, I mean, as you're starting running back, he is a little limited, right? He's not going to be able to make those stretch plays that uh, Dobbins is able to make. He doesn't have that explosiveness. He's really good in between the tackles. That's what he can do. He's not a receiver. He hasn't caught a pass since the playoff game against Buffalo. Um, so that's why they brought in Drake. And you got Melvin Gordon still there. But... Those guys were available for a reason, right? We kind of saw that. Gordon had a couple plays. Drake had the big play and then fumbled. Um, yeah, running back, one of those positions that, uh, like you said, Chris, was something that we needed better production for in this game. Yeah, I mean, I thought overall, I mean, Gus did fairly well. I mean, I agree, I agree with you. He's kind of limited, I guess, in, in that aspect. But I feel like if you, I think I said in the group chat, like if you have if you have Gus or Hill and someone else who's productive, i.e. not Melvin Gordon, um, I think you're fine. Um, actually, I mean, aside from the, aside from like the sim, the symbolism, I guess, uh, of the, the Drake fumble, I guess, if you will, it was kind of like the catalyst for, you know, falling apart. Uh, honestly, I think if you take that away though, like I'm actually excited for Drake to be back because I think he kind of fits that mold of a justice Hill He's got the speed to be able to get to the edge. He can make some plays in the pass game. Honestly, like if you want a, you know, a, a, your third running back, I guess in, in the mold of a Justice Hill, like, I, you know, I, I think you could you could definitely do worse. I uh, e Melvin Gordon. Um, I really, really, yeah, I don't think I don't think Gordon's the guy. Uh, Mitchell obviously, I think is on IR. He won't be back till at least week five, if that. Uh, but he's a rookie, so you know who knows when we'll see him. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you just need ten yards at the end of the game, and it's it's kind of really frustrating. Just you know, the one thing that's been reliable, even in the first two weeks, uh, <laughs> with all the injuries in the first two weeks, and just like the new offense and everything, like we could still mostly count on the run game. But uh, 
yeah, we're gonna have to see. Um, but uh, you know, I definitely hope that uh, Gus is able to come back. I mean, they're saying concussion protocol. Um, you know, might be a week, might be two. Um, we'll see. I mean, I feel like that's some. It's like the only silver lining, and I hate. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of Ravens fans kind of like hate to hear this, but it really is kind of true. The only silver lining, really, with all these injuries, is that there's not that many that are like season enders. So yeah, like right now it stinks. Guys are going to be hurt. Your squad's not going to be full strength. You might lose some games. You might not play as well as you think you are, but guys are going to come back. Um, not a guarantee that it's going to stay that way. Of course, knock on wood. Clutch your rabbit's foot, you know, do whatever you need to do and make sure that the Ravens stay healthy or get healthy. But, uh, you know, it's a silver lining nonetheless. I guess if we're talking offense, definitely felt the pain of uh, that, that fumble by Drake. It was, we were humming. Me and K-Fish were talking to one another like, we're humming like this. This offense is out of control. We can, we're going to be able to score at will. Life's good. And then that fumble happens and you're like, ah, hate that. Uh, but everything's fine. And then the next time the offense got the ball, they just, they seem lost. It seemed like they lost all their mojo. They were playing scared. They were playing like they didn't want to lose the ball again. They lost the ball anyways. <laughs> so those two things, like they don't go great together. Um, Another thing that was like super frustrating to watch is that Bateman was clearly getting more and more frustrated as the game went on. And then he got hurt. It sounds like with the hamstring tightness, um, we were watching him. We were calling his number all day being like, Hey, like, you know, look at, look at Bates side. There's like no one there. He has one corner to beat. I believe in him, you know, like, why don't we give him a look? And he got separation a couple times. There was one time that Lamar was, uh, looking over to the left and, uh, and passed it to to Zay, like a quick little pass. And and Bateman must have had yards of separation. If he like at all maybe the play wasn't designed to go that way, but like if you look to the right, it might have been a touchdown, you know. Um, and just like you could I could see Bate like throw his arms up in the air and like being like, Man, like, you know, I'm cooking over here and like no one's even looking at me. And I could see how like frustrating that would be for him. Um, particularly with, you know, Odell out of the game. This is a kind of a good opportunity for him to be able to shine. Um, and I felt like he might've been the missing piece, um, in the passing game, at least that just completely underutilized three targets, only one catch. And, uh, you know, they weren't that well, at least one of the targets wasn't even a high quality target. Like the ball was going to be uncatchable. So yeah, tough times. Yeah. At some point this season, Bateman has to be a, a focal point of this offense. Now, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the reason that he hasn't been worked in that much is just due to injury load management. I mean, we've talked about that, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think you bring up a great point. Um, we knew going into this game that Odell was going to be out, right? And Aguilar had a, a great game against Cincinnati, but why not try and get Bateman involved as well? Um, it is a little perplexing that it's it's three weeks in and still yeah like you're saying the ball's just not coming his way and look I love that we're feeding Zay Flowers he's got a lot of talent um, I think it was it's really great that we we're getting Odell and Aguilar some looks already early in the season they're vet guys you're going to need those guys down the stretch we need to see some of Bateman and whenever that is hopefully you know, he, he can be the guy that he left off at. It's certainly the couple times they've gone to him, like we've said, he's looked good. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. Hopefully there's a plan and hopefully the coaching staff isn't giving up on him because he's got talent and in a game like this, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, 
offense is struggling to move the ball, it's it's kind of stinks when you exit the game and you're like, oh, one of our playmakers didn't even get a fair shot to show if he could, you know, do anything in this situation to help the game. So pretty frustrating, uh, but at the same time, holding out faith that the Ravens are keeping the big picture with Bateman. But yeah, we don't know. So all we can do is speculate as to what's going on there. One other thing I wanted to bring up and curious your guys' thoughts. I don't like the super heavy looks. They brought in Falele several times um, in super heavy looks. There's also plenty of times where it was like, you know, two tight ends and, and Ricard out there trying to run the ball. And we didn't have much success with that. One thing we talked about is like, man, the front seven for the Colts, I think we're not sold well by Pete. I'll have to give him a talking to at the festival. Be like, why don't you tell us more about this front seven? Like, I hear they're one of the best in football. <laughs> now, like after the fact, it's come out. <laughs> the world on the street is. <laughs> they're not that bad. And I'm like, we should have really talked about that. Because, I mean, obviously with the offensive line was we had and just running on, you know, fumes in the RB room. We knew it was Gus and, and not much behind him. Um, we probably would have had a, you know, a little bit different tune about our ability to maybe get yards on the ground and, and clean pockets for Lamar. And that was kind of the case during this game. Um, but to kind of go back to my original point, you know, I don't, I don't love running out of heavy because we almost never get any explosive plays out of it. And like, we're like kind of praying for the one or two yards. And I, I just don't truly think our, likelihood of getting the one or two yards you need for a conversion is much higher in that scenario than like running out of 11 where you might not be running at all um i just i I don't know i feel like the expectation of those plays is always pretty low and i'm always like oh they got it you know (laughs) it's never like very confident inducing (laughs) yeah i mean i think uh i feel like i remember the first i don't know it was the first or second it was a play early on i think it was in the first half where they brought Falele out the first time and he just couldn't find out where to get set and i think we ended up taking the uh timeout at that portion i was just like it's a little frustrating to kind of go there you know it's kind of giving me roman flashbacks of you know getting the line with five seconds left except we have one second um you know from like an execution perspective i you know obviously didn't like that one play um but you know it is you know fairly easy to rectify just <laughs> get there with more time but uh but yeah i mean I don't know. I mean, I I certainly think they're going to make an attempt. They're still trying to make an attempt to incorporate some of the run game, short yardage plays, packages from Roman's offense. And like to me, those are going to be phased out later in the season as Munkin gets more comfortable in his offense and knows what he wants to do. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> it's one of those things too. Like I know it's not just Ricard. Obviously, Flaylo's in there, and you can put other linemen in there as well. But like, you gotta find some place for him, I guess. You know, I, I not that I necessarily agree with it, but just I feel like that maybe the logic there. Um, certainly, you know, would I would I like to you know <laughs> replace that with like a Bateman uh, look? Yeah, sure, uh, that'd be great. Uh, Mark Andrews, absolutely, sign me up. I think you bring up a good point, though, Chris. Um, and I'm pretty sure Munkin even said something to the effect of this too, like that he didn't want to come in here and completely change everything that the Ravens are doing. And Harbaugh said the same too. They weren't looking to completely, you know, abandon the run, abandon what they they do well. And Harbaugh spoke um, multiple times uh, during the, the offensive coordinator search and when Munkin came in and emphasized so much about how the Ravens through the years have really done really good job at running the ball. And that's one of their identities, one of their calling cards. So will those plays get phased out? I 
I wouldn't be shocked at all if they if they do. I, it makes total sense to me that you know Munkin's bringing in a lot of new concepts, and he's looking at all the players that have been here, and you're looking at well, what was successful in the past? Let's still keep some of that while we're bringing in the new stuff, you know, so we can fall back on that stuff if if the new stuff isn't working, if the new stuff isn't ready, right? So, I mean, we'll have to see how the season goes. I would be surprised if they keep it in. It, to me, feels like it's still in there just because, you know, not everything that Munkin's there for is up to speed. Not everything's game ready. Not all the players are ready. That You, you can't just put this in overnight. You know, we talked about, we've been talking about this, how McDonald's defense took about half a season last year to to get in place. And then once it was in place, it was excellent, right? But there were some growing pains there. I think we're seeing the same thing with the offense. And um, hopefully those plays get, get phased out. Because like we're saying, we've got a deep wide receiver core. And Alec, I think, brings up a great point. Like, when you have that package out there, it's almost certainly a run. It's telegraphed to the defense. And you're, what you're sacrificing there with well, – you know, the deception is like, well, we got so many big guys here. We think we can just plow you over, right? That's what you're trading off there. But, you know, with a quarterback like Lamar, you don't need to do that because you always have the threat there of someone who can run, spread it out. You can pass, you can run. There's so many different things you can do. So, yeah, I'm with you on hopefully that that gets phased out. But I I can see why it's still in there right now if it's in there as kind of a transition um, from the Greg Roman offense to fully what Munkin wants to do as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, think about it, too. I mean, there were also plays in this game. Uh, Lamar had a really great game uh, rushing the football, ended up with two touchdowns rushing as well. And, uh, you know, a lot of those were just out of empty sets where he just read the defense, everyone spread out, and then, you know, was able to pick up. I think first touchdown was was just that. So, yeah, I mean, the Ravens, you know, can have success on the ground even without heavy sets. Um, it's really just kind of about spreading it out and, you know, uh, taking advantage with Lamar. Now, obviously, you know, that's him and that's his abilities right there. But I mean, I, I feel like the, the point still stands, right? I think they've had success in, in some of these like three wide sets and 11 personnel. They're still spreading the defense out. There might only be a running back next to Lamar, but I mean, they've in certain situations, I think it can work well, but uh, yeah, they're, it'll be curious though, just trying to figure out some of the, um, you know, kind of like short yardage plays, like what the Ravens want to do. I, I feel like I don't know. I, I feel like the the only thing that's like sort of concerning to me right now is I feel like we haven't seen that reliable, sure-handed target yet. Um, even Andrews, I feel like, I mean, he he was he was fine this game. He was uh, four or five targets, uh, I think thirty-five yards or something. Um, still a little reliable, but I feel like he's been a little quiet. Um, I I think maybe the, you know injury kind of put him behind a little bit, but outside of that, I, I feel like. I would like to have another person emerge as a sort of go-to target on those third and long, fourth and short sort of plays. I feel like, you know, this game in particular, you know, we just didn't have um, as many opportunities to convert or didn't didn't uh, convert on those opportunities. So um, I'm definitely curious to kind of see who kind of steps up. Yeah, I am in agreement with you there. I think there needs there's another thing that kind of went wrong in this game is you need that go-to receiving target that you can go to in games down the stretch that you can trust to make a play. Um, Andrews feels like a great candidate for that. He has been in years past. Um, Odell, I think, will be that guy when he's healthy. Um, he showed 
uh, has shown a, a good amount to me that he can be that uh, with the limited time that he's been here. But yeah, I, I think that in a game like this, we needed to see more from Andrews. I don't know if that was the play calling. I don't know if that was uh, just blanketing on on the defensive side. I haven't had a chance to see the all 22 yet of this game, so I can't comment too much on that. But yeah, only five targets for Andrews in this game in the fourth quarter in overtime. I think they needed to go more to him. He's your best playmaker on the field right now. Um. I understand that there was a lot of talk in the offseason that Lamar can't just be zoning in on Andrews, but when it's crunch time, you got to have your go-to guy. And I think right now that's Mark Andrews. When Odell's here, I think that it's both of them. But yeah, I, I think that's a great point. The, someone needs to emerge from this offense as a go-to guy outside of Lamar calling his own number when it's crunch time in these close games. It feels like in a way they're leaning on flowers there uh, as well. And I'm not too against that, but it is interesting. Listen to this, guys. Flowers had eight receptions for 48 yards for an average of six yards a catch. His long was eight. How remarkably consistent <laughs> that he would get you five to eight yards a catch, you know what I mean, in order to average six. Like, that's so crazy. Uh, but it makes sense. It adds up with uh, kind of the experience of, of Mr. Jitterbug getting the ball. He wasn't able to really break anything. But he, did, he was able to – usually he caught the balls um, and converted for first down, which was nice. Yeah, I mean, he – the I feel like the great thing about Flowers, and we're seeing this a lot more uh, now, and I feel like it's <laughs> it's much more natural <laughs> than week one, where week one, you know, like I said, like I, I said back then, it just it felt really, really forced. <laughs> but, uh, but now, like, you know, you see him getting the ball and then, like, squeezing for a couple extra yards here and there, um, which is – I mean, no, no shade against Hollywood – I still love him. I still think he would have been great in this offense. Um, I love him for all the opportunities he had. But, like, man, what a difference in play style between Hollywood and Zay. I mean, Zay will get you those extra yards. Like, he lives through that contact. You know, he'll be juking guys out, going low, getting whatever he can to get those extra yards. Hollywood, that wasn't your game. <laughs> for the For the most part. But it's 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 so crazy. I don't know. I feel like it's so crazy of just like the Ravens tried twice to try and get someone of that body type to. I mean, I guess to to have like another Steve Smith, maybe. I, you know, I assume that was probably the intent there. But uh, you know, it, it took them a little bit to get Zay. But um, yeah, I think I'd like to see more balance, obviously. But I think you know they're leaning on him for a reason, for sure. Um, so I, I think he's gonna have he's gonna have a big game um, at some point. I think one more thing we have to address with the um, the offensive side of the ball before we move on to defense, uh, just the frustrating play that's been the offensive line this year. Um, we came out after the Houston game and really talked about how that was a disappointing effort um, for a lot of reasons, and then come back the next week, go into Cincinnati, have an excellent game. Uh, McCarry and Mustafar had to go in there and uh, play for the injured Stanley and... Linderbaum, respectively, held their own against Cincinnati. Like we said, there was only one quarterback hit allowed. Uh, Unable to transition that to this game. And like we said, Colts, very talented front seven. Uh, They came to play, and they had great games. But at the same time, I mean, Cincinnati, they're equally as strong, too. I mean, maybe you could even say they're even a little better. They got more veteran guys, um, and they were able to handle it there. So... 
Um, bit perplexing. Bit perplexing why this game was so much different, so much of a, of a difference in a challenge level for the offensive line. But something we're going to have to keep monitoring, uh, unfortunately. Uh, timetables for Stanley Linderbaum still unknown. But, I mean, even then, um, Zeitler looked like he struggled a little bit this game. Um, Moses could have been a little sharper. So, I mean, it wasn't just McCary and Mustafar struggling in this game, although they definitely had their uh, struggles. McCary, um was beat for the sack. I believe he was the one who led the defender by uh, on the Lamar Jackson fumble. Um, yep. Errant snap from Mustafar. Uh, other plays throughout the game. It's got to be better. <laughs> I mean, and they know that. But yeah, disappointing uh, effort from the offensive line in this game, particularly after they played so well against Cincinnati. And, you know, they're going to have another really tough mu- uh, matchup, uh, especially McCary, Miles Garrett uh, for next week. I mean, I don't know if yes. you guys looked at his stat line against the Titans. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm gonna say, it was all right. I'm going to say no. Uh, three and a half sacks, three <laughs> tackles for loss. Yeah. Um, I mean, he put, I think it was Andre Dillard, I think, at their left tackle. Oh, my God. Yeah, he. I mean, he made him look like an absolute turnstile. So, I mean, I think McCary is better. <laughs> but that's still, um, I mean, he's, you know, definition game wrecker. And uh, I mean, to, to be, and we'll, we'll get more to it next week too, but I think the Browns defensive line is also really, really strong. So it's going to be another really tough matchup. So, you know, whatever, uh, whatever they can do to kind of get prepared for that game and uh, change up some things, you know, maybe work a little bit better, uh, keep the things that did work. Uh, they're going to need all of them. So moving along to the defense, it was a unit that I felt pretty satisfied with gave up a touchdown uh, on a kind of unfortunate play. Uh, just beautiful rainbow ball from Minshew to Moss, a combination. I didn't know I'd talk about this season, but apparently <laughs> is relevant. Um, Queen just wasn't able to to break that one up. And then uh, Matt Gay just knocking long field goals in the through their uprights consistently uh, to kind of, you know, go ahead and beat the Ravens. But I feel like we got to talk about kind of the switcheroo that happened due to injury. We didn't really get to talk about because we recorded earlier in the week. Um, you know, it became apparent that Ardarius was hurt. Now he's on the IR. He might be gone for the year. Kind of crazy. Go from uh, no no clear signs of injury to might be gone for the year. So we'll see what happens with Ardarius. But uh, in that role, boom, Kyle Hamilton moves down to the nickel. And Worley played every single snap of defense on his special teams. And then suddenly, uh, superstar uh, Hamilton came out. I don't think he was playing poorly on the back end. I think in a way, maybe his number wasn't getting called. No one was going his direction. But in the nickel, he made his presence extremely known with three sacks and a pass deflection. And uh, some solid tackling as well. He just was an uh, all-around solid player. So everyone remembers... Uh 2004 and actually ESPN just did a, a cover story on it last week or two weeks ago for the um, 20 year anniversary of uh, Michael Vick breaking uh, video game Michael Vick breaking Madden but Ravens fans remember next year after that who was on the cover that was, was Ray. Uh, it was Ray Lewis Ray. Ray Lewis right yeah, yeah. so yeah I remember they, they made a big emphasis on uh, upgrading defense in that game because Michael Vick single-handedly destroyed uh, defense you couldn't play defense against Michael Vick in the video game I don't know if, if you guys ever figured this out playing it but I remember that game 
the nickel blitz was unstoppable. You just took control of your slot corner <laughs> in that game. And you could, I forget where you lined them up, but it was one place you could line them up and you timed the snap perfectly. You got to sack every play. That's what it seemed like to me. It was giving me flashbacks to Madden 05 when I was playing that and just doing that move. Hamilton just, it, it was unstoppable. And even in, he got there three times and, you know, he had that, um, tackle in the backfield, the pass deflection. There are a couple other times where he got close. He got close. They blocked him, but he was close and it was disrupting the pass. That was just, I don't think we've seen a more dominant performance at, from a safety blitzing or a corner blitzing from a, a Ravens player ever, which is saying something. Just that consistently in the backfield was just incredible. Obviously, we want Hamilton at strong safety, his true position, um, but Man, at nickel, is he dominant. He is so good. <laughs> and his coverage was really good, too. I mean, you know, just an all-around great game. And it is such a shame that we didn't win because if we had won, I think he would have been shooing for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, excuse me, of the week. <laughs> got a lot of work still to do Defensive Player of the Year. Maybe he will. Maybe he will by year's end. Well, no, I don't know. I mean, because yeah, he, yeah. has, he has the talent to do it. But um, yeah, definitely his coming out game uh yesterday he was a force there and that was really really awesome to see yeah it's yeah i feel like you guys have kind of alluded to a little bit but it's just like it's such a it's such a shame that there's such a i guess a difference at least to us fans of like of the position that he plays if like he could i mean he could still be a great strong safety i'm not saying he's a bad one but it's just one where like you know doing your job and you know making sure that your guys are covered like the ball could just go somewhere else and it looks like you know to most fans that you're not doing much even though you like look at the all 22 like you know you're you're covering your guys and everything but yeah that nickel spot i mean he's just really able to affect the play you know it in in, in tons of different ways um yeah so i mean you know we'll obviously we'll see what happens um you know, we, we hope we hope we have more corners. I think it's. Uh, I guess I didn't put that in my top three uh, groups that I was concerned about. Although that's like right there at number four. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. But I mean, shoot, man, if he stays healthy, knock on wood, all the pieces of wood. Uh, we need you healthy, Andy. <laughs> like, we're, I mean, we're totally fine. He's got that position locked down. Yeah, I I don't know. If uh, I don't know if the, if they can confidently keep him at the safety role in uh, a, for a team that plays nickel as much as they do, I I do think that him maybe playing slot is the best option, and um, I don't think it was just matchup driven that he was down there. I think it was a lot because of personnel. And oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> Harbaugh wouldn't say that, but you know, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he acted like there was many reasons, but uh, I'm pretty sure there was one real big reason, and. I think we just love Kyle there. He ate Fruit Loops this morning. He just gave me a vibe that said that nickel was the best spot there. He just really loves nickel, man. Just really passionate about nickel. No, <laughs> no nickel Actually, lover. Yeah, the, 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 the the number one the number one reason Minshew. Like, right. I still like. I feel like I still have a soft spot for Minshew. Like, I feel like he's been constantly overlooked. I know his arm strength is not that great. And I know that, you know, he's never going to be like a top, you know, top 10, <laughs> top 15 quarterback or whatever. But like, I don't know, there's just something about him. Just like, oh man, this guy plays, he plays well. 
um, obviously beat us, you know, played well enough to beat us. So, yeah, I mean, there's that, but, um, but I mean, yeah, with, you know, with the arm, you know, wingspan of Hamilton, uh, you can have obviously a a big impact (laughs) on, you know, Minshew's ability to kind of throw the ball down the field, um, you know, because of kind of where his arm strength is at. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I feel like that was probably dictated by the matchup a little bit and the personnel that we did have. I think the thing that's super cool about him too is just when he's down in that area of the field, his wingspan's so big. He's such a large man that he just can impact so much. Like he's rangy, obviously on the back end, the same thing is true. And he might be able to take away a lot of things on the back end. And then that funnels them to the shorter passes, et cetera. But, uh, if those safeties are still doing a good job in funneling them down anyways, you know, if we're already, if we're already a funnel, <laughs> him being around that, that level is incredible. So I was so enamored by Hamilton and, you know, due to my, uh, my scheduling, so to speak of, I wear, you know, a Jersey until they lose. And then I switch, I will be switching from flowers to Hamilton and I hope never to change it all this season long. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next thing we want to talk about is the edge. Uh, we alluded to it off the top. Only three active edges after Ojaba went down early in the game. Uh, Tavius Robinson got the highest amount of snaps for an edge player in this game. And uh, I don't think that was on my bingo card for the whole damn season, let alone <laughs> by week three. Um, definitely a byproduct of unfortunate IRing of Malik Ham. Uh, which may or may not have been particularly valid, you know? Uh, so he was unavailable to come up. Moon had to come up and then they were already shorthanded. So it was him, Moon and, and Clowney going after it. Um, and I think that really was a blind spot for the Ravens or, you know, a vulnerability early on in the game. They were letting up a lot of runs to the outside. They were unable to set the edge and uh, we were not getting the run defense performance. We were so accustomed to, we almost took for granted. No one runs against the Ravens. Like we just, you can't do it. And uh, it turns out you can, I guess, if uh, you go to the outside and our edges aren't getting set well by our, um, you know, third string outside linebackers that were getting, you know, barely sniffing the field or not even active before this game. Yeah, it, it was asking a lot of those guys. Um, you rewatch the tape. Colts rarely, if ever, uh, ran at Clowney's side. Um, they just had to go and, and attack the side of the players who, I mean, quite frankly, have talent, but, it, you know, they're not ready. That was a smart decision by them. It's a solid offensive line. Um, Zach Moss, you know, it's funny. I think our I think our perception of Moss is so clouded by the failure that was his career in Buffalo. But, I mean, you know, like Chris mentioned uh, last week while we were doing the preview, like, who has done well in, in Buffalo since Marshawn Lynch, right? It's just been a decade of them just cycling through guys. Um, that might say something more about the system than them. But, I mean, Moss, he, the last, you look back, last four weeks of the season last year, he had strong games. And he didn't play in week one, played week two against Houston. You know, everyone's like, okay, fine. It's Houston. They can't defend the run. Uh, he's, showing that he might actually be a solid back and was just in a bad situation in Buffalo. So, I mean, you put that combination there, a, a solid offensive line, a solid back versus players who just aren't ready yet to handle that load of consistently setting the edge and stopping the run. Um, it's It seems like a perfect formula for what ended up happening in the game. So um, hopefully we can get some health there uh, or those guys can develop because... Clowney's holding up his edge of the ship 
he's been way better than I expected him to be. But yeah, that side right now with where the injuries stand, um, that is a weak spot in this defense at the moment. Yeah, hopefully Owe Ojabo can come back. I mean, really, honestly, next week. And Bowser. Yeah, Bowser won't be until week five at at the earliest, but it's like, man, if we can get some of them online, um, that'd be great for a divisional opponent. So we'll see. I just want to hear some positive news about Bowser. We've heard nothing. We've heard nothing suggesting anything that he's anywhere close to coming back, have we? they They asked Harbaugh today, and he said, well, none of those guys can come back until next week, so I think I'll address it next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's like, no, no information. He's like, you, you can ask me next week. I'll, I'll answer next week or something. And like, kind of like, I agree to give you a little more substantive answer than this next week. <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I yeah, I'm not sure what more to do there. I mean... Malik Harrison? Would he get snaps there? Sure. Yeah, I actually Maybe. thought he'd play more than he did. Um, he was actually one of the captains of the game, the coin flip. Fun fact. So I was like, well, maybe he's going to be out there a lot. And uh, <laughs> that may have been his highlight of the game. Let's see. Uh, he had... Where is he? I feel like he, he surely had snaps, right? <laughs> like, why am I not finding him? Oh, he only had eight snaps, so... 10% of the plays was he out there. Yeah, actually, that kind of reminded me of something, Alec. Um, actually, uh, can you look? How many did he have? He had special team snaps, right? 89%. 89%. 32 of them, yeah. Do you know what, what was that rank on the team? Number one. Was it really? Cool. Uh, that leads in that's right to a point I was actually going to make <laughs> because you mentioned <laughs> it earlier. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of these starters on special teams that have now had to play significant snaps on defense, that's kind of a problem in the short term. Uh, mm. I feel like it's definitely related that we're not covering kicks as well as we should. And, I mean, frankly, just from like a depth perspective, I'm really concerned about that uh, getting worse, at least in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so Phillips also had uh, 89%, but, um, yeah, they're, they're tied. I, I meant to bring it up last week. I'm very concerned about the fact that Hamilton and Stone were a part of the punt coverage. I'm like, man, like, guys, they're starting two safeties, and we have, like, really no one behind them, at least active on game day. And then you have the nightmare scenario of Stone going down, and you're like, oh, God, this is very bad. He came back into the game, and it doesn't sound like there's much conversation, so maybe it was a stinger or something, but... Oh my God, my, my heart stopped when I saw him down the field because he's such a key player at this point, particularly with Williams being out for who knows how long. And I just, oh gosh, I we can't afford to lose those guys. And then playing on special teams is tough, but then you look at, you know, everyone who's active and you're like, well, there's literally no one else to do it. So yeah, it's it's a tough, it's a tough break. Um, <laughs> certainly challenging, like you said, uh, I thought I thought Worley played every snap. Uh, it seems like they did get him out near the end. Maybe he uh, didn't play in the special team snaps during overtime, but like during the regular part of the game, he played all of them. Um, so he was um, he he accounted for 102 snaps. I've never seen that. Obviously, like you know, we had a whole extra hat or a quarter, but like <laughs> so many snaps in one game for one player. Well, I think one before we go, um, we do need to highlight 
a, a player who had an incredible first tackle in, in the NFL. Uh, we need to cra- congratulate team for their first tackle in their NFL career being a sack, which was the, the safety on Mincho. <laughs> All right. I just thought that was, that was funny. I mean, it makes sense, but yeah, yeah. You can look in the back box score and you look <laughs> on the Ravens defensive. There is a player just listed as team and team had <laughs> one total tackle for um, it was a solo tackle for a sack <laughs> solo team <laughs> tackle <laughs> i mean I guess so that's I, yeah cool. that's just how how the it scored um there when the quarterback steps out of the back of the end zone just the the team gets to tackle apparently but is it a sack it, too score, yeah it's a sack man we need to get a couple more of those that'll really right? inflate those sack numbers it really feels like this it should be attributed to Minshew. like Minshew tackled himself by stepping out of the end zone like that's that's, that's how i would score it but yeah Hmm. That's the official ruling. It's just it's just listed as team. I think with that we want to go to moral victories. I have one for sure, but uh, I'll open the field for whoever wants to go first. It's tough in a game like this. It's tough. Always first moral victory awards coming off the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long long season for that. Oh, first one, first one of the year. Um, I guess I'll give my moral victory award to to Jordan Stout. You know, the, the playing time trophy, you know, punter is such an interesting position, isn't it? Because like, if you, if you have a game where you're out there a lot, usually the team didn't do well, like, right. But Stout got to be out there a lot just due to ineffectiveness of offense, seven punts, um, had that big one, had that one that, you know, was short. So up and down game for him, but we'll give it to him. He got on the field a lot. Good for him. Uh, I'll give mine to Hamilton because I think, you know, uh, if we had come out with the win, he would have been the MVP. So um, I feel like by definition, I feel like that's a moral victory. Hey, that's that's great. And uh, I would also say maybe Ott could be it because he was the one who got the stop on that um, 32-yard punt return by uh, McKenzie. He forced him out of bounds. So long snapper, getting some action. But uh, my, my moral victory has to go to the Ravens organization, specifically our uh, – I guess like ticket consultant. I don't. I don't know her official title. I used to have her card nearby, but anyways, Emma. Uh, Emma was fantastic, helping us be able to swap our tickets and uh, bring our friend who needed a, uh, you know, wheelchair access to the game. Got us uh, all hooked up there, and uh, even came by and said hello. And just as a reminder of like, I feel like how nice uh, the Ravens can be for uh, people, and you reach out to them, asking for some help, and. Uh, I was just like really touched that we were able to pull that off and uh, happy that, you know, I don't know. It just, it was a good experience. It definitely felt uh, nice to know that the the Ravens like try to take care of people and, and stuff. So I don't know. Definitely had those, those feel goods about the organization, even when we were losing <laughs> and wet. <laughs> hey man. I mean, I mean, that's great, right? I mean, we all want the wins. We want the Super Bowl trophy every year, but there's so much more to sports and the sports organizations than just the wins because only one team's going to host Lombardi every year. So, you know, when the rate, when you're the organization that you cheer for goes the extra mile and does something uh, accommodating and makes a experience pretty seamless for uh, someone who needs that, you know, I get it. That totally feels great. Really great to, to feel like, you know, you're not supporting just a, a world-class organization as far as wins are concerned, but as far as, you know, how they treat people too. Absolutely. Well, hopefully the Ravens can uh, 
get the stink off of them, go into Cleveland and get a dub. But uh, we'll be back later in the week discussing that matchup. Definitely a tough matchup and another key divisional matchup, tier one. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at OneWinningPod. Email us at OneWinningPod at gmail.com. We'll catch you later in the week. Go Ravens. <laughs>